the Two Broke Watch Knobs podcast is an online discussion dedicated to urology and the in-depth coverage, review, and assessment of high-quality, affordable timepieces. There may be instances of strong language, and this podcast is intended for a mature audience. Sit back and enjoy. Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and this is Two Broke Watch Knobs. And I I almost started counting the episodes again, but I didn't. Because I honestly don't know what episode we're on, because I've been sick as a dog. I've been I've been sick as as a dog. I had dog-itis. I had this dog-itis for five days. <laughs> this is episode six, if I'm this Is, if ep- I'm is this really episode six? It's episode six, man. That's fucked have, up, dude. I have episode five open on the computer, doing some editing. <laughs> <laughs> you, have episode, I know. you have episode five in one ear and you have us currently recording this episode in the other ear yep okay it's good. gonna be great it's I'm gonna not be gonna lose my mind it's gonna be great okay so yeah uh i've been sick but i'm feeling sort of better now so i'm gonna i'm gonna do my best to not have coughing fit but what are we what are we talking about today we're doing we're doing catch-up that's right we talked uh, we were talking about a second ago we're doing we're doing catch-up um we're gonna talk so, about a sake. The, the, the Seiko events, I attended the Seiko Miami Boutique events uh, back on October 5th. Um, in, the, so that, in the middle of a hurricane. Yep, in the middle of a hurricane. Uh, I took time off of work. I really wish I hadn't just said that because people at work might listen to this. And I told them I was going away for family business, but uh, that's fine. Uh, that doesn't matter. Yeah, so I yeah, we, we, uh, we were going to talk about the Seiko Boutique. Uh, second U.S. boutique in the country. Super cool. Met Joseph Kirk. Some of you folks might know him as, um, you know, from experience with Arizona Fine Time, hearing his voice over the video, so on and so forth. Super cool dude. Really knows a lot about Seiko, specifically spring drives, which was the whole idea of the event. In addition to talking about our experience, or really my experience uh, at Seiko, we're going to be talking about guilty pleasure watches, which is something that yep. fas- fascinates me because um, it's, so, it's, so, it's so fucking easy to be like, oh, psh. Look at that guy's blinged out, you know, Frank Mueller watch. And then when that piece of shit leaves the room, you're like, fuck, that was an awesome watch. Like, damn it. That was just like so cool. It's the same thing that happens when you hear like someone's like, like, like a super loud, like sports car, like goes, I sound like, I, I sound like a mother uh, on, on his motorbike. When like a fucking Jerk. Porsche rolls up next to you. Yeah. Right. When, when like a Porsche rolls up next to you, you're like, what a loser. And you're like, man, I want a Porsche. Pretty you cool. know what I'm saying? He's <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> I don't think that's the case with all watches, but I think some watches kind of um, get that, elicit that reaction out of a lot, a lot about a, a watch folks. But first, I'm going to talk about Grand Seiko. So, so yeah, Mike. Um, so as Mike as Mike mentioned earlier, uh, the Grand Seiko event happened. I think it was around what October, dude. Do you remember October fifth? Um, I have the end. Was it specifically just for Grand Seiko? Like, is that is that a hundred percent what they were pushing? there or uh, was it just... it was a grand seiko assembly and disassembly demonstration a grand seiko That's spring right. drive they had a watch watchmaker on site taking they had the uh, yeah man i got stories about that guy that guy i feel bad for that guy um <laughs> i feel <laughs> oh, really no. bad for that guy <laughs> uh, were, were but yeah the whip he did seem quite ill he seemed a little ill and very sweaty and uh, he was kind of shaky, and he dropped his tool once. Uh, I feel kind of bad saying all this. <laughs> but, oh, no. 
But um, the whole point of so like so okay so uh, I just want to say the response we've gotten to the Instagram uh, to the uh, through Instagram about the podcast so far has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Everyone's really been liking what we've been talking about, the approach we've been taking, and so the reason I'm mentioning right off the bat that that guy you know dropped his tools and that he looks a little ill is because I think it's important to kind of take out the the shiny veneer of bullshit when you talk about watches i mean i really really prefer for kind of just to be like a real world no bullshit approach so i mean that's the whole idea behind two broke watch now is mike does that, right, I mean, like, does that, does that make sense this. yeah that's why we're doing that's why that's why every episode i make a point to mention my urethra once and that's one mention so far and i've gotten this episode that's one one so far <laughs> that's one so far <laughs> or, or the or only biting, time biting dogs <laughs> they were I haven't had kale since then, dude. I haven't had I haven't had kale since then. Uh, so for anyone who's listened to this episode for the first time, the past thirty five seconds had made zero sense to you. But if you go yeah. back and listen to the other episodes, it'll make so much more sense to you. Um, but yeah, no. So the point of the Seiko events was to really push the Grand Seiko models, specifically because um, I was talking to Joseph Kirk. So his who he is the manager, uh, the the boutique manager there. They moved him from Arizona. They brought him over here. Um, he's been there since the creation of the, uh, the the creation of the whole thing. It's in the de- it's in the design district. It's literally Michael. It's three or four feet away from the Rolex boutique. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And so as I was walking through uh, the design district to get to the Seiko thing, like they were like closing up shop just as like Seiko was getting ready for the event. So it was it was right. pretty interesting. Um, also nearby there is uh, there's Omega. There's a uh, there's a Cartier. I think I think there's a Cartier there. God, I'm not talking about my ass. There's Panerai. There's also Panerai. Panerai there... has like one of their biggest biggest boutiques there. I com- um, I completely missed that. I don't know how I don't know how I missed the Panerai boutique. After the uh, design district kind of like blew up, uh, a ton of brands started leaving the um, kind of like the fancier malls. Okay. And just setting up actual boutiques in this like hot new area. Interesting. So, yeah, ah. there's, there's a ton of stuff there, and it's it's pretty cool that Seiko's there. So Se- like yeah, that. so that's the it's the second second U.S. location. So the original U.S. location you might have heard us talk about uh, that's being brand managed by uh, James Turry. James James Turry is the guy's name. James yes, yeah. St- uh, Stan- Stanley Tucci. So Stanley Tucci uh is please that is not true stanley tucci is not in charge of the Seiko boutique in new york uh it, it, it is i believe his name is james turry super cool dude a lot of great stories and forums about people having great times with him he is the boutique manager in new york which was the first Seiko boutique and so mm-hmm. the second Seiko boutique is here in miami and so i was talking to joseph kirk about the idea like why is Seiko kind of doing this kind of a really big move at a time where a lot of news stories are kind of coming out and saying, you know, some Swiss brands and your stereotypical luxury brands are having a hard time, especially in Asia, because a lot of the tax uh, tax laws have changed in Asia to a point where some of the economics have shifted and people who had a lot of disposable income before for Swiss timepieces don't anymore. And so it's kind of having people think and reevaluate and try to figure out what to do. But at a time like that, Seiko's opening up their second boutique in in the states and so i asked him you know why that is and he said he said two super interesting answers the first one is um it's it's super to push grand seiko uh in the states it like specifically to bring grand seiko to the states um um at a time where people i guess really and and this is the uh, the second answer so the, the first answer is to push grand seiko in the states specifically 
Um, the second one is because uh, he has the stance, and I suppose it's the stance of the entire brand, that Seiko really believes in the educated customer. So it's not necessarily to say, oh, Seiko wants you to just buy Seiko pieces, which obviously is the end game, but overtly he said it's to educate the customer, which was the whole point of this event. So um, in the actual event, uh, there were – it was actually pretty small because like Michael said, it was this was during, Hur during Hurricane Matthew. So I was the only uh, – I had great traffic driving down south to Miami in the middle of Hurricane Matthew because uh, I was the only piece of shit trying to drive into the hurricane. And how, um, how long was that drive? Uh, so I was like, that was, that was like a two and a half hour drive from Orlando, which is not bad. That's that's not bad at all, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, it was maybe fifteen people. Really, fifteen? It was it was small. It was small. Uh, I got a lot of pictures. I just don't really know where to put those pictures. Um, and so. That, I thought that was interesting. It was just to bring Grand Seiko to the States to make it more accessible and just to educate uh, people. And so the whole event was structured around um, the spring drive, uh, like specifically educating people about the basics of the spring drive. So Joseph Kirk gave a really, really cool like slideshow presentation about the basics of it. And then after that, they had the watchmaker come out and um, they kind of – assembled a little makeshift bench for him to assemble and disassemble uh, a spring drive movement. And like, as he was doing it, Joseph Kirk was like talking through it and explaining to everyone what all these parts were. And it was pretty cool. You know, What's I mean, it? what is, what does it look like? Cause I don't think I've ever seen one. I know it's like battery and mechanical, like sort of hybrid movement. It's really right? interesting. So all, I mean, yeah, it looks, so if you, if, if I were to, you know, curb stomp a quartz watch and a mechanical watch, all the pieces that would be left over would sort of, I'm really not doing a good job of selling this watch. All the pieces left over would sort of look like this watch as if it were disassembled. Like, cause you would see, cause you'll see coils and you'll see okay. gears and you'll see p p parts. You don't really know what they are. So I think the big thing was behind it uh, was just to show people that this was not just a simple quartz plug in a battery watch because i asked joseph kirk you know oh no way exactly well, the thing is some people don't really get that and so because i was talking to him and i said hey you know uh, uh joe i think i think he preferred joe I, I have no idea my my memory of things is awful so i'm, I'm gonna say he want me to call him joe if, that, if that's not the case joseph i'm sorry uh joe hey, his you know name is, his name is tom his name is <laughs> his, his his name is not joseph kirk it's just like it's just like it's just like carl smith and i'm just <laughs> completely gary. it's just gary it's it's gary sinclair um it's gary sinise so yeah stanley tucci is in charge of the new york boutique and gary sinise is in charge of the uh design district it's not true at all please don't believe the me. most informed <laughs> podcasters on the web <laughs> we really me. do our research <laughs> yeah we really i i worked hard on remembering uh who gary sinise was before this podcast but yeah, no, so I asked him, I'm like, I'm like, what do you think? Do you think people, when they hear the spring drive, they automatically associate it with what a lot of people who love Seiko associate it with, and that's like innovation and technology, or do you think they're like weird about it? And he said, in his experience being on like, you know, high-end watch forums and other specific places, people don't really see it as an authentic watch experience. So for some reason, the way collecting niches work is the further and further they exist, the more obsolete they become, the more inclined they are to try and attract people to the authentic nature of that niche. 
So what the okay. hell is the authentic nature of the watch collecting niche? A, a movement, you know, a, a, a watch movement. I mean, you know, let's not let's not say water clocks or candles, which is which is truly the most authentic form, if you ask me, of timekeeping. But what do I know? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so in a time where watch collecting really is a niche uh, uh, practice, the spring drive doesn't really make sense. You know what I mean? No, like, it like it's really, really weird. Like you have to almost be a technology geek and like a, a watch purist to love the spring drive or you just have to be someone with money and who doesn't care. You know what I mean? Well, I think even if you had the money, you have to kind of push through that barrier of um, spending the 5k plus that you would for a spring drive and, you know, moving beyond the whole like, Oh man, I should just get a Rolex kind of (laughs) idea that's going to pop into your mind. Right. And, it's one of those it's one of those things that we were talking about before uh where I think you can reach that point when you um when you keep the bullshit from from uh getting into your head yeah. as far as watch marketing goes and stuff like that the, the day the day that you realize the true merit behind the design and engineering and and the uh craftsmanship of a of a grand Seiko spring drive is the day that maybe you are ready to you know to buy that snowflake. Or, uh, exactly it's it's else. it's it's something that i think that i know we've both done we've played the what if games like okay you know what if i was doing laundry and i found six thousand dollars in my jeans i totally forgot I'm like oh dude i'm just i'm six thousand dollars up what rolex yeah. am i gonna buy now like it it, it you know what I'm like like it's my when I, whenever i do those what if scenarios for some reason my brain doesn't go to a spring drive but once I sit and rationally think about it, I'm like, oh my god, dude, I could buy a used fucking SBGA 011 snowflake mm-hmm. for like 3500 4000 bucks. That's in- that's yeah. insanity. But it's it would, not it would be the the SBGE 001 for me. That's the that's the spring drive GMT. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's oh. right. That's right. <laughs> Super cool, man. Yeah. But for some reason my brain doesn't initially do that. And I don't know if that's because my basic instincts are still kind of informed by that authentic watch collector. Like, oh, I have to have the most complete collection of watches so everyone's super impressed when I walk into a room or yeah. or what. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I, I remember there was a time we were talking about it and I was, say, I was potentially saving up for something. And for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, I had something in mind. And then, like, I just... Uh, what happened? I got an email. Uh, I, get, I get David SW uh, emails and... I saw in one of those he had uh, a different spring drive. And I'm like, dude, I completely forgot about spring drives. Like, they didn't yeah. even, like, enter my brain when I was mm-hmm. talking about the expensive purchase, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think – well, actually, you know what's funny? That relates to the idea of them doing the Grand Seiko kind of demonstration and them having Seiko boutiques here. They want Seiko, uh, They want spring drives to pop into people's heads, you know? Yeah, and yeah, for the for the average consumer, like they, I think most people that are maybe into the idea of buying an expensive watch, um, it's gonna be hard for them to throw down that kind of cash and have it, you know, be Seiko on the dial. The other thing yeah. also is specifically Grand Seikos. They're not designed to be the 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 brightlings of the expensive watch world. They're not supposed to be this giant, no. really flashy, attention grabbing things. It's the idea of doing something elegant and simple to a perfect degree, which yeah. inevitably never gets noticed. 
It's just, mm-hmm. it's it's a very simple looking watch that only someone else super into watches would notice. Or it's one yeah. of those watches you have to like explain to people why they're cool. Well, you it's know? funny enough if 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 a watch buyer is that self conscious about um, you know the the money that they're spending on a Grand Seiko and what people are gonna think, and you know worried about the fact that it's a Seiko on the dial. Ironically, if you say show up at a red bar event and you have a grand seiko on your wrist nobody's gonna hold that against you no of course not because that's 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 the exact crowd that think it was cool because like we were saying a second ago even if it doesn't pop into your head initially when you see it you're like holy shit that's 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 so cool like earlier earlier um oh man either like a week or two ago um i live in orlando and so folks around here who went to watches probably know about orlando watch co they're in Oh God, uh, Winter Park, Winter Haven. There's so many goddamn winter things around here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was there. I was there. Uh, I walked in there with my fiance, and I completely forgot they carried Grand Seiko. So I walk in there. I'm looking at their Oris pieces, and I'm looking at, you know, like they're they have like a a case of like used watches, and like I move down the case. I'm like, oh, you guys also have these uh, uh, you know, used uh, Grand Seiko pieces. He's like, oh no, 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 we're we're a Grand Seiko, you know, just a uh, d- d- distributor. We we carry these pieces. Mm-hmm. Like then I'm like I'm like what? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, like the, you know, you know. So this is super funny. I told you earlier the events that they did in the downtown, uh, in the di- design district, the Seiko boutique with the spring drive event with the assembly, assembly. They did the same thing over Orlando Watchco. You know what I mean? That's so, right. Like a week later. Like a week later right? or something like that. And so I just I just completely. I just completely forgot about about spring drives, but the second I saw them, I'm like, holy, holy shit balls! This is fucking amazing! And like, the guy let me try on the snowflake, and I got to see that like uh, boutique limited GMT that they have. It's not the specific one that you're talking about, but it's a spring drive GMT, and it's like there's like four in the country, and he let and there's and there's one there, and uh, I made sure to eat just like a bunch of syrupy pancakes before I handled it, so I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> and like, I got I got to handle that, and it was just. I don't know why. I don't know why my brain doesn't just go to spring drive because every time my brain eventually gets to the spring drive, I'm like, dude, this is like – we always talk about either on the podcast or off the podcast. If we were ever going to be a one-watch person, what would the one-watch be? The answer for me, it's impossible, but the closest thing would probably be a spring drive. Yeah, that's you know? that's what I was thinking after after we kind of talked about the question you brought up um concerning the rolex explorer one you know are you buying <laughs> are you buying the watch or are you buying the the brands you know marketing yeah um and something like grand seiko is completely immune to that that kind of garbage and yeah. uh you know for for me pretty close you know for a while it used to be some kind of gmt from rolex yeah. you know because i mean how can you go wrong but really <laughs> just like to have like a brand new like from the dealer SBGE 001 man like right you, you can't you can't ask for anything else out of a watch it's like it's sporty the the finishing is beyond a lot of the stuff you see out of swiss brands and yeah. it's so versatile like you could wear it all the time and no one's going to hold that against you <laughs> it's an maybe awesome maybe watch. Maybe that's why. Maybe my my subconscious is just like, dude, I know you love spring drives, but don't think about them because if you buy a spring drive, 
you might not collect watches ever again. Like that might like that might be it. Oh you yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's and why that, I don't think about spring drives initially. That's not a bad thing. The one the one thing that kind of um worries me about the spring drive is servicing. Because I don't think well, I guess maybe with more boutiques opening up in the States, mm-hmm. they can kind of um you know uh, serve as the appropriate channels to get your watch over to Japan because I think they can only be serviced in Japan. From my understanding, yes, but you know what's funny? So during <laughs> during the during the event, um, when Joseph or Joe Gary, when Gary Sneeze was talking, Gary. G- Gary Sneeze was not talking. I have to stop doing that. When uh, <laughs> when when Joe when Joe was talking, uh, he goes, "Oh, are there any questions?" And like I look around and I'm like. Dude, none of these motherfuckers have a quit. People, this is like, this is never going to happen. Like, this is an incredible, I'm like, I'm going to fucking ask a question. You're all a dipshits. And so I asked him a question. I'm like, oh, you know, Joseph, you and I were talking earlier about, like, servicing the spring drive. Can you give us an idea of what that experience would be like? What would you be able to see in your watch that would indicate it needed to be serviced? Or would you never see that? Like, how does that work? Mm-hmm. And he basically, so there was the can line of, oh, you know, we recommend servicing every five years okay but uh but then there was the actual like joseph kirk response and so i don't know if i explained or not to you but when at the event he was wearing two spring drives he was wearing the snowflake on one arm and he was wearing his person he was he was double double wristing double wristing spring drives so on (laughs) on one arm on one arm he had the snowflake which looks like brand spanking new and on the other arm i think he had his personal one which was this older one and it was black and um, it, he seemed to indicate that he really liked that one. So when he was talking about his personal opinions, he was talking about – he was indicating his black spring drive. And he was saying, you know, uh, I've had spring drives before for years, and they're still only – they might lose a second or four seconds every month. Like, like you could go years and never actually have to service one of these watches because the way it all works, the parts that would so – so, so I could be totally – I could totally be just – is high as shit right now but the way he explained to me was the parts that would traditionally need servicing are sort of sealed in this little case that's just like full of of lubricant so there's not really any kind of wearing traditionally that would happen right you know what i'm saying so you could just buy the thing put it on your wrist and dude that's that's it for years that's it for years so even if you weren't thinking about one of these pieces and you had that question like, oh, dude, what am I going to do about servicing? I'll probably have to fucking like turn two keys at the same time and call Goldeneye to get my fucking shit packaged out over to Japan and have it serviced. And then I won't see it for a month. Honestly, if you wanted to just buy the watch and not have to worry about servicing it, you could. You, you, yeah. you, I mean, you easily could. Fucking Joseph Kirk doesn't. Take, you know? I can take a trip to Japan also. Or you just take a trip to Japan like you do. You know? That, you that just would like be a, so cool. Oh, man. That would oh, be awesome. Man. We uh, – <laughs> When the day comes to service your spring drive, hey, let's go to Japan. <laughs> Take us with you. Uh, we'll put you on the podcast. We'll put you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, let's do that. Let's do a let's do a reverse contest. So traditional contest to give things to podcast listeners. Let's do a reverse contest where our listeners give things to us. So if you yeah. have to go to Japan to service to service your fucking spring drive, just bring us along, and uh, we'll record a couple episodes. We'll say some funny things. I'll say some more inappropriate things. I'll talk about orphan teeth some more. I can probably mm-hmm. talk about orphan teeth for much longer. Um, yeah. And it'll, we'll, it'll be a great time. 
I'm pumped. I'm already excited for Japan. I'm already excited for the Amazon. They're supposed to send us to the Amazon with their fucking oh, Stevro and Raven pieces. That's true. Oh, dude, we'd, we'd be so dead. Oh, we're super dead, dude. There's, just no, there's no cool, but, but our watches will be fine. Um, so what else? What, there was also, um, were they actually serving a traditional Japanese whiskey? Uh, <laughs> so that was did, the part did, of the... Did, that you was... get, did you get sauced? Kaz, did you get sauced? On I, a... I sort of got sauced because I'm I'm a lightweight. I'm not as a as a as a brown person. I'm not gen- genetically predisposed to an alcohol tolerance. <laughs> but um, I was a little let down by the what was the what was the phrasing? Traditional whiskey tasting, which is a touch okay. a touch of an oxymoron because there's not really a Japanese tradition built around whiskey. There are very fine Japanese whiskeys, but it's not like mm-hmm. the tea ceremony. Or like sake preparation, right. you know what I'm saying? That's that's what so, I was expecting. Yeah, no, it was a dude in a makeshift cloth bar out front, and he had a bunch of bottles, and he's like, "Oh, what would you like?" And I'm like, "Dude, I don't know what any of this shit is." He's like, "Oh, well, this one tastes like whiskey." I'm like, "You know what? Just <sighs> you can just pour whatever tree diarrhea you want in a fucking glass, and I'll drink it. I I, I don't give a Thanks, shit. Thanks, Hodinky. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Hodinky. You know. <laughs> Um, and it was nice. I don't know what I had. Like I, 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 he's like, he's like, oh, this one tastes like, uh, exactly like a, like a, like an Irish whiskey. It has like a peaty char taste. And I'm like, well then why the fuck wouldn't I just drink Irish whiskey? Why the fuck am I drinking this shit? This is bullshit. This is, this is, this is, this is stupid. Whose idea was this? Don't tell uh, me it tastes like Irish whiskey when I can just go across the street to 7-Eleven and pay, you know, $10 and just buy shitty Irish whiskey and drink that in my car by myself. You know what I mean? Double parked in the handicap spots. And how about how besides besides the um, fuck man? Sorry, the I'm still mad. Fist, <laughs> it's okay. Besides the double fisting of the the spring drives, uh, wh- what was kind of um, what was everybody else wearing? Do you see any any other cool? Uh, um, you know? the I don't know the gentleman's name, but the first person in the states to buy a snowflake was there. He wasn't wearing it, but that was pretty really? interesting. Yeah, Joseph Kirk introduced me. He's like, "Oh, and this is Mister. I don't remember his fucking name. Uh, he was the first person to buy a snowflake in the states." And I'm like, "Do I kiss his ring? What do I? What do I do?" I wonder, <laughs> like, how how did Arizona Fine Time develop such like an intimate relationship with Seiko? To like, I don't know, I don't know, but like he that's crazy. Just because of his relationship at Arizona Fine Time, he was their first choice to be the manager in Miami. They moved him out there and everything. That's he he lives in Miami now. You know what I mean? Interesting. Wow. Okay. So I I don't know. I don't know what precipitated that relationship, but um what else did I see? I didn't really see anything cool. To be super, super honest. Um some people just kind of seem like they walked in. Um some people seem sort okay. of interesting. Some people um I don't know. It didn't really seem like a super. Okay, so I would say I expected more people to be connected than uh, than at that Dobell tequila, tequila, tequila. Yeah. Fuck my friend, tequila thing that you were that you attended. More folks were connected there than I expected. Um, the coolest guy I talked to, I don't know his name. I should have gotten his name. I gave him my card. I, I gave him our card. Um, and by our card, I mean I ripped out a piece of a cereal box and wrote two broke watch knobs on it, and I handed him that. Uh, there wasn't like an email address on it or like a phone number or a hashtag or uh, not a hashtag, uh, our Instagram tag. I just wrote our name, two broke wash knobs on like the back of a lucky charms, like, 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 like puzzle you draw and you do breakfast in the morning. It just, it said Kaz with the backwards K. 
and it said <laughs> i wrote it i, I wrote it with a internet. crayon it says inter- <laughs> it says intranet intranets like oh yeah rock and roll um i was talking to him super cool dude um he was wearing uh an older marine master huge huge fucking thing it had like a green tinted crystal to it and i'm like mm. i'm like dude that is a fucking sick watch He's like, oh, yeah. yeah, thanks. I was looking at your sumo, too. I'm like, yes, dude, yes. Let's be friends, anonymous uh, anonymous stranger whose fucking name I didn't ask for because I'm an idiot. And uh, so I asked him, like, oh, you know, uh, are you on the, 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 the Reddit, the subreddit watches? Or are you on Instagram? I was like, oh, no, I'm just on the time zone forum. I'm like, dude, you're like, you're like an enigma, man. Like, what you year are you from? <laughs> the time zone forum. All right, rock and roll, man, you know? But yeah, no, that dude's uh, green crystal, like green tinted crystal. You know what it reminded me? It actually reminded me of that Rolex Milgauss kind of green tint. You know what I'm talking about? I have, I, I don't know anything about watches. So this yeah, dude those, from Remaster had a crystal those like that. were a big that. deal for a while, those, uh, those green crystal like Milgauss models. But, dude, um, the thing was so fucking cool. And I'm like, yeah. dude, that's the, that's the sickest, that's the sickest watch I fucking like seeing. Uh, so what else did I see? One of the store dudes, one of the store clerks, a guy named Joel, super cool guy. He was also wearing a blue mo. I was there wearing my uh, my blue sumo, same new one and everything. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that was basically it. Oh, um, so mm, I'm trying to figure out if I should say this. Well, now I have to say it. Uh, I have no choice. Someone from Hodinki was there whose name I didn't really get. I did get, but I don't want to say he was there. And he was wearing a Rolex Daytona for some fucking reason. Okay. To the seg- to, to the Sego event. I have no idea why. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, oh, and the guy who was taking photographs, the Hodinki photographer, was wearing a Panerai. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. Why would you they wear fit. these things to this event? They fit right in. If you fit right in, man. Um That's- so what was super funny was I was excited. So just based off my Blumo and based off this guy's super fucking awesome Marine Master, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to see the Seiko Prospects diver models, right? Because we, we, you don't get a chance to see. I mean, those are those are those are Japanese domestic market. You don't get a chance to see those here very rarely. Yeah, dude, those were shoved in like the back corner. They were shoved yeah. in like the back corner on like on like a TV tray, fucking like 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 a TV dinner tray thing. And, like, there wasn't any light on them. And I'm like, wow, they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck about those Seiko Prospects models. They just want folks to come in here and unzip their pants in front of this Grand Seiko case, which is the first thing you see when you walk in. The first <laughs> thing you see is this Grand Seiko case. Um, what else did I see? So I got there super, super early. Um, I'm trying to do a lot less talking. I'm doing a lot of talking right now. I got there super, super early. And I got there so early that Joseph Kirk let me play with three watches I never, ever thought I'd get the chance to fucking play with. So we're okay. going to try and put pictures up of these watches fucking somewhere. I don't know. I also got a video of one of these watches. I got to play with the fucking the Credo Turbion, the one that's all blinged out with that traditional like Japanese like Tsunami or, or Mount Fuji motif on it. Jeez. I got to play with the Credor uh, lacquer dial with the blue indices, the hand-painted blue indices. And I got to play with both of the minute repeaters. And it was completely out of nowhere. I walk in there, I'm talking to Joseph Kirk, and he's like, and he's like, oh yeah, and if you if you haven't noticed, you know, we're one of the few locations where you can see the uh, you know, the I forgot what it was called, uh 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 Fugo Fudo Maki. No, that's that that's sushi. I don't know what it's called. 
It starts with an F. I was really okay. hoping you would help me out there, Michael, but it's not no, a big deal. No, no, I, I, I don't know that. People at home know what I'm talking about. For, I mean, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be. I, I, I write the show notes, so I want to make sure it's going to be in the show notes, spelled properly and everything. <clears throat> so, Seiko, if you are inclined to send me one after this uh, uh, telling, of, uh, you know, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't send. I wouldn't send it back. I wouldn't say no. So I got to play with that. That was cool. I got to play with the Creator uh, uh, lacquer dial. That was absolutely, you know, beautiful. But the best part was probably the minute repeater because we got to actually like, like work crank the complication. We actually got to crank it yeah. up, and we got to play it. And it was, you could see the hammers. You could see the hammers hitting uh, the bell in time. It was. How it's, how, how was that? I I kind of feel like it, it's it's sort of. It's sort of the days in in, uh, in high school where uh, you kind of dream of the day you get to touch a boob for the first yeah, time. Yeah, dude, you ever you ever you, you, you ever touched a boob before? Uh, it was <laughs> it. I was not. It was it was it was potentially like touching a boob for the first time. I wasn't ready for it. I didn't right. expect it. I didn't know it was going to happen going into the situation. But all of a sudden, Joseph Kirk whipped out his this boob, and I'm like, oh my god, that's that's a tit. This is ha- everyone. This is happening. And the thing is, it was me alone. It was just me alone in there. It was me and the other Seiko people in there. And so, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Seiko's not going to endorse this podcast. I, 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 I've been saying a lot of ridiculous stuff. They which probably is fine. won't. They totally won't. That I don't care. I had an amazing fucking time. So we got to. It was absolutely amazing. They're bigger. They're bigger than I would think. The mini um, repeaters. Yes, mini repeaters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank, thank you for coming back on track. The mini repeaters were bigger than I would expect, and that's because a large portion of the watch is actually the bell. The bell, the hammer is striking. Yeah. A large portion of the thickness is that. And there. And is it is it is it louder than you thought it would be, or like quieter? It is about what I had expected. It's okay. not like if I was in <clears throat> if I was in a subway and <laughs> and someone's Seiko mini repeater uh, went off, I wouldn't hear it. If I was okay. in a cab with someone and the minute repeater went off, I would hear it. You know what I'm saying? So um, I have a video of it. I'm going to try and put it up on Instagram uh, just so y'all can see it. I'm going to try and time it with the podcast, with this podcast being released. Um, mm-hmm. It is absolutely fantastic. It's just all three of those pieces were were uh, a treasure to just see and just absolutely amazing. Just It was just so cool. I mean, obviously... I'm never going to buy those watches. Those watches sort of don't really fit into what we talk about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But just if you want to talk about fine hand finishing and just attention to detail, right? I mean, those three watches are just fantastic. I mean, the mini repeater in person, it's quite – it is it's very uh, commanding of presence because it's shinier than I was expecting. It's super polished. It's super intricate. It is not legible at all. Do not try and tell the time on this thing. Oh, really? It, there's, there's no, there's just no way of telling the time. It's got hands, but like you'd have to guess. It's like, oh, it's probably one thirty or like two forty-five or like one fifteen. I have no idea what time it is. You know I'm what I mean? To find, I'm gonna try to find the photo you sent me. I remember yeah, I think, it was it was pretty over the top. I think I sent you some photos. Yeah. Um, the Creator Lacquer dial was absolutely fantastic, but again, you could be wearing that watch in public, and people would be like, uh, I like my Daniel Wellington more. It's just like, dude, like, do you not recognize you're in, like, timepiece, you're in the presence of, like, timepiece royalty. You know what well, I'm saying? I, can, I, just, I just found the photos. I cannot tell time. There's, you, you can't I, tell time on it. There are some birds. There's some, like, <laughs> waves. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of blue, like, sapphires. 
Oh, that's the turbion. Oh, that's the turbion. Okay, no, wait. No, no, that's, that's not the minute repeater. Okay. Let me find the Yeah, the minute repeater oh, is, um, it's, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, the, you, the, if you, so if you wanted to buy one of these three watches for legibility, buy the, buy the Creator Lacquer Dial. Okay. <laughs> can you tell time of the minute repeater? Maybe I'm I blind. Can... You see, yeah, you Shit. only sent me you sent me a video of it, so I'm only I'm only seeing the back. And that is a huge case. It's big. It's a big watch. It's much yeah. larger than I expected. But um, so in the video I captured, what's fantastic is you can see the hammers hitting the bells, and you can mm. also see it in the shadow under the watch, the bell, uh, the hammer, uh, striking the bell. So really, really, really cool. Um, uh, how much? How long have I been talking about this goddamn Seiko thing? Uh, okay, not doing too bad. Um, overall, it was a really cool experience. I got to see one of the few um, Seiko Presage chronographs that were that were oh. taking the internet by storm. You know what's super fucking funny? I remember so, those, yeah. Really, really, really beautiful. Super fun dial. Really cool old school vibe to it. Um, probably, if you wanted to buy... If you wanted to spend a lot of money... Well, not a lot. Okay, uh, how the fuck can I frame this? If you were... If you have disposable income and you have already a lot of chronographs, but you want to buy a chronograph for not too much money that will basically command the attention of everyone in the room who knows about watches, you mm. buy that chronograph. Because I was talking to Joel, not Joseph. There's there's two J's. There's Joel and Joseph. I was talking to Joel, the other Blue Mo guy, and I was talking to him about this watch. And he's like, oh, you know, one of the uh, other managers from one of the boutiques around here was in here and asking about this watch. I'm not going to say who, because I, 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 I'm not sure if it's a real story, if it's a sales tactic. And, um, and he was saying like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, a lot of people come in here and they ask about this watch and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, for the price point, it's also not too bad. He's like, he's like oh, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, for like a $4,000 watch, it's really impressive. He's like, who told you it was a $4,000 watch? And I'm like, the, the in, intern, internet? Oh my he's god! Like, how much? He's like, how much is it? A twenty-six hundred dollar watch, dude. Really? Yes, that's that's what he told me. I'm like, I'm like, what? The the black dial one, Seiko Presage, like not too many in the states. He told me in that boutique on the spot it was twenty-six hundred bucks, and I, I I literally almost said like, listen, I don't have any money in my wallet, but I can throw around a few sweet hand jobs. Does anybody in this building? <laughs> you need know, a hand you know job? what's interesting about this one too is um. It's got kind of like Breguet numerals, yeah. Which I I've never seen in a yeah on a on a Seiko. It's super. It's it's super fun. It's very whimsical. Has Breguet numerals. Has really fun pushers. It is very not attention grabbing in terms of design. But for anyone who's into watches oh and God, like how quickly beautiful right and how quickly those things just like overtook the internet. Jesus. Like if someone walked into a room with that, it'd be like, "Holy dude!" For twenty six. For twenty six hundred bucks, man, you know what I'm saying? You could oh. that's like if you were if you were considering buying like an old sixties uh, date just with like a fluted bezel, like full Theo and Harris. If you want to just do that because you thought it would be cool and would be like a fun watch to have, dude, fucking just look at one of these chronographs instead. You know what I'm saying? And it also won't be the size of a nickel. Holy smokes, this thing is really cool. Yeah, dude. And I got to see it in person. I got some pictures of it. I I might have tried it on. I can't remember. I took two hundred pictures that night, so I I can't really remember what I took pictures of. And Seiko doesn't really do modern chronographs. They 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 don't really. They're not really a not. huge part of the chronograph well, game. Well, I think modern modern chronographs. 
yeah i mean like when you when you think of a seiko chronograph most people like think about the pogue or the old like... that's true so what would be an example of a modern chronograph from another brand that's lame because i'm trying to think what that what what does a modern chronograph look like not not so much okay not not so much a modern chronograph but i, I don't think seiko focuses on um <clears throat> on chronographs too much especially ones that aren't quartz right so, okay yeah 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 i i will it's it's i think when they do something like a chronograph or something specific like that it's i guess for heritage purposes you know what i mean like like maybe kind of just specifically using this complication or function to harken back to something else specifically for design like a design motif but i mean um, i'm trying to think but I, I you're right most of the like the seiko chronographs i'm thinking of they're they're quartz they're sort of they're they're, they're quartz they're quartz or if they are mechanical they're old, old. Yeah. yeah that's interesting you know this thing is really really cool i, I yeah. love the black one that, that it was is, that's badass that's the one i saw he told me it was 2600 bucks and like i looked on i, I looked at him as if he was on fire and i'm like i'm like like dollars or like swiss francs like 2600 dollars like <laughs> like usd he's like yeah and i'm like why isn't everyone busting down the door to buy this fucking watch you know <laughs> pretty cool if i had if oh, i man. had 2600 dollars at that moment or if i had my running shoes on at that moment i'd be wearing this watch right now man <laughs> <laughs> or that watch. I would, I, would, I would have been wearing that watch right now. Was it the white dial or the black dial? Black dial. Oh, that's that's the nice one. It was the black Oof. dial. Super cool. What else did I see? Um, I mean, that's that's basically it. I mean, uh, they well, they had a lot of specific models there that you wouldn't normally see other places. Um, they had Creedor. Um, like, uh, uh, in addition to that, that lacquer dial Creedor, they had uh, other Creedors there. Uh, do do yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. It was a cool event. I would recommend anyone in the Miami area or within like an hour or two hour driving distance to just go and visit. Everyone mm-hmm. there is super cool. They love talking about what they do. They're not like sales associates who just because I've I've had interactions with sales associates who know nothing about watches. Oh, They're yeah. just like, oh, we have a blue watch. It's like, fuck, man. Why 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 do I even try to talk to people anymore? Um, this everyone watch in there has hands. <laughs> this this the, this watch uh, actually has hands. And if you look, <laughs> it's got three hands. Like holy, holy fuck! I need that watch. It's got three hands. I need that fucking watch, man. <laughs> um, everyone there that works there works there because they love watches, not because they filled out an application and they needed a job. So if you right. walk in there and you just talk to them about the Spring Drive or about Seiko or just about watches. They would super love it. So that's why I'm saying if you live even one or two hours away, just fucking drive there and hang out. Or if you live closer to the Orlando area, go and check out Orlando Watch Co. They carry Spring Drive and a whole bunch of other really cool stuff that you wouldn't expect um, in addition to that. You know what I mean? So, Or if, uh, if you live in Arizona, go to Arizona Fine Time. You could go to <laughs> Arizona Fine Time. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the oh, only those are the only three watch places I know. I'm not a watch I'm not a proper watch person, so um if it's not one of those three places, I I I don't <laughs> I don't know about it, Michael. That's just that's 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 just my secret. It, it, we've 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 been to some other places, you know. We've been to some other places. That, that one that one place that, that rhymes with uh uh and uh <laughs> and Earth's. Oh oh in in Bell <laughs> In Bell Harbor Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, dude, that was. Mm. 
was bad, man. That's that's for another time. Yeah, we uh, we were gonna do an episode on positive and negative um, boutique and uh, um, AD experiences. I have had complete. I have had such awful experiences and specific dealerships, but I've also had absolutely magnificent ones. Like I've walked into yeah. places where <laughs> they know I'm not buying. I'm not gonna buy anything. I might take some bowl, like so, so, some mints from their bowl, but I'm not to buy. I'm not about to buy any fucking watches. But they've been super fucking nice to me. And I'm glad because I, mean? I, I kind of, I kind of feel like for a while there, you were, you were having like a streak of really bad, yeah, experiences. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. So um, that might be the episode after this one, just because there's a lot we can do about that. It also opens it up t- for people to tell us their experiences, mm-hmm. uh, good or bad in boutiques. Um, you know what I mean? So um, before we do seg- uh, segments, just based off of that, if you have any questions or comments or if you need a place to direct your hate mail, you can email us directly at tbws.contact.gmail.com or you can hit us up on Instagram, which is basically active 24-7. If no one notices, any fucking second a comment goes up on our Instagram, there's immediate response. That's because yeah. I don't sleep anymore. I just I sit on I sit on my phone and I constantly refresh. I'm constantly swiping down. Because I just need the approval of anonymous internet strangers. If I don't get fake internet points, Michael, I'm going to fucking die. Like I'm, I got, I got, I'm, I'm just gonna die. So if, I'm always on that Instagram. If you wanna, if you and wanna if, ruin Kaz's day, you can also uh, just just leave a bad comment as well. Oh my god! <laughs> if you leave, I will not know. I'll I, I don't, I'll just be crushed. I won't know no. what to do. No. If it's just every, if, I, if I post a picture, been very nice so far. Everyone's been everyone's been very. The only thing I can accuse the internet of 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 cursing me with is apathy, which is normal. Yeah. You're you're gonna get you're gonna get apathy over the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just that's just that's just gonna happen. So so yeah, super active on Instagram. Uh, you can always email us. Super happy to look at um specifically any like Russian uh vintage pieces you want a second opinion on. Some folks have already, have actually already done that. I don't know if I've given people permission to do that or if they just took it upon themselves but some people have already contacted us just to ask our opinions mm-hmm. about specific vintage russian peaches which is a lot of fun um i love that stuff because like i said i need the approval of strangers um <laughs> yeah 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 so okay so so is there anything michael that i missed about the seiko events that we need to talk about more i feel I like think... i've been talking for way too fucking long no no i think i think we can uh kind of move on to the next uh the next sort of segment here so one of the things that we discussed um for the people listening at home we we were kind of talking about mentioning a couple of watches that we sort of admire um you know kind of enjoy and like but the thing with these watches is they're watches that people probably don't get or either don't like uh so Right. There, what what do we call them? Guilty 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 pleasure, pleasure. Watches? guilty pleasure watches. <laughs> so we we um <laughs> we always talk about watches just off the podcast, and uh, so I picked two and Kaz picked two. Um, he knows one of mine, so I think we can start. Why don't Why don't you start with one and then and then I'll I'll. Uh- I, I, I have I have also been having like a Seiko panic attack uh for the past thirty five minutes, so maybe you should do the first portion portion of talking. I've been talking a lot, I feel like. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, no no worries. So yeah, the first really one I really feel like I've been talking a lot. So yeah, what what I, I wanna know the first one you want to talk about. I'm super curious. 
So the first one um, we've talked about before, and it's uh, it's a watch from a brand that gets almost little to no respect. Um, <laughs> and and the fact that it's quartz just makes it even worse. Right. For, Piling guess, it watch. on. Right. But it's uh, it's the Tag Heuer Formula One quartz chronograph. Cool. Okay. And, yes. We have, we have um, talked about this. So we've talked we've talked about this one and you know I get it I I get that people um don't like Tag Heuer you know some people even go as far as to say that it's a fashion brand but really you know, people call Tag Heuer a fashion brand Oh yeah yeah like what? you know the, it's you can what you can get a quartz like aqua racer these days for like under a grand I think maybe Okay used. okay now is it is and, it now do you think people hate on Tag Heuer and call it a fashion brand just because it's so accessible? Cuz I saw I Tag Heuer in like a in like a Bloomingdale's the other day actually I think or in like a Nemo Market. I saw him somewhere. Well that's part of it. That's part of it. In in the eyes of a lot of um kind of snobby watch lovers, they they Tag Heuer joined the ranks of, you know, the mall watch and you know the kind of Okay. The kind of stuff you'll see at Bloomingdale's or like J.C. Penney and stuff like that. But um, <clears throat> we've been talking about quartz recently, and you know, watches like like the Brew Watch that you just bought. And I love I love my Brew Watch so much. <laughs> I mean, like sometimes you just want like a, a cool looking race inspired like chrono uh, chronograph, and right? It doesn't matter if it's quartz. Um, you know, you just slap it on and you go about your day and and what i like about this watch is that it kind of um especially the blue dial the blue dial has like these old style like um sub dials that kind of you know they're racing inspired and cool. you have the hints of orange and whatnot we can post a we can post a photo but yeah i to. think i think people people just need to get over their their hate for for quartz because um, you know what's funny? I think it's related to kind of what Joseph Kirk was telling, or, or Gary Sinise. It's got I have to stop doing that. It's not Gary Sinise. I think it's related to what Joseph Kirk was telling me is that if people aren't educated about it, they don't know about it. So I think when someone hears quartz, they just think, oh, it's just a battery movement. Like a machine can do that. Like no, dude. Like the technology and the innovation that went behind the first and current quartz movements, it's fucking, it's incredible. It's incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because. I bet just, you, yeah. Sorry? I bet if I bet if I search like Tag Heuer like watch you seek right now, um, you know I can probably find some thread and just like pull up a ton of people just bashing the brand for for no reason. <laughs> what I've heard like about how... the brand is that it's the it's the graduation watch. That's what that's the most derogatory thing I've heard about the brand. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I can I can I can I can see that you know, um, but. Hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to pick one of these up. You know, it's yeah, uh, no, it's it's. I saw it. I saw. I didn't see the exact one you were talking about, but I walked into, I walked in the Tag Heuer boutique at a mall around here, and um, I saw I saw several quartz tag uh, 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 pieces, and I'm like, I'm like, these are pretty fucking cool. When I started getting over my own bullshit about quartz movements, and I think again, it goes back to the um, the you know most authentic iteration of that niche you're collecting in. Mm-hmm. If you want to be the most authentic watch collector ever, why would I own a quartz watch? You know what I mean? Like, but like that's that's stupid. That's like the dumb part of your brain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, and, I, def- uh, I definitely agree with you. 
it might you know if if there's one thing about this watch that i would criticize it's you know it's going to be the price um how much is it the one the one that i'm looking at now is just a hair over a thousand euros and that's a lot okay for for a quartz watch right i guess that's that's when tag is kind of trying to sell sell the name more more so than the watch okay um a lot of people also hate on them because th- there was like some kind of scandal uh, a few years back about the um, the movements that they had in one of their chronographs. They kind of marketed it as in-house, but it was like an old kind of off-the-shelf Seiko movement. Oh my God! Someone was talking to me about this recently. Was that you that was talking about this recently? We we might have we might have discussed it. I don't know the details, but um, someone was talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, so you think that's still fresh in people's minds, like that forever marred everyone's impression. Like with Panerai, like with some of those, some of those older um, Panerai movements, a lot of people kind of uh, shat on potential mis... Hi, hi, cat. My cat jumped in my lap. Like potential misinformation about what movements they were putting in their watches or lying about the, the hand finishing of them. So, so sort of yeah. similar to that. Okay. Yeah. If I, it was the caliber eighteen eighty seven, so okay. if you just if you just search like Tag Heuer Seiko on Google, you'll find you know Tag Heuer shamed into admitting caliber eighteen eighty seven was bought from Seiko, like wow. stuff like that. That's um, funny, man. So, but if you want a cool uh, racing inspired quartz chronograph, mm-hmm. and you don't really care about, you know what it means to wear a tag hoyer or if you're just past you know the 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 brand the brand um or i guess the the bad name that the brand gets you know it's it's a watch to think about well you know it's funny i think if it's it's something that's really really important i think when people hear i'm a stamp collector or i'm a watch collector they always think oh what's the one watch that like would make any watch collector like jealous or like really really want and like there are obvious answers to that you know what i mean like you know mill subs or like you know pre-moon like sweet masters oh. or whatever i know right whatever whatever bullshit but you know what's super funny i think the true heart of collecting the true heart of collecting within a niche is loving something about a piece that only you could love you know what i mean oh, yeah. like that's how you build an actual collection not taking into account whatever bullshit uh your community tries to get you to buy into because if that was the case I wouldn't have bought the several watches I have right now. I would have saved up and bought like uh, you know a black dial like a sub, or I would have saved up more and bought just like something else that would immediately get me watch cred. So you have to make the choice: do you want watch cred, or do you want to practice like your love of a timepiece in your own personal way? So if you hold on, my cat's trying to rip my headphones out of my ears. Sweetheart, you're not helping. Come here. The thing is, no matter no matter what the hobby is. There are always going to be people out there yeah. that ruin that hobby, you know. Exactly. What whether it's photography or scuba diving or um, guitar playing, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both know about that one. Yeah. Um, people, people will always be out there to kind of shit on what you like, and um, it's, a sorry. large part of it is just figuring out. It's just discerning your own tastes apart from that bullshit. Like, do you? If you love this quartz piece, but if you have hesitations because you're afraid people will say stuff or people will be like, oh, you know, he just probably got that as a graduation gift. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, who gives a fuck, dude? 
If yeah. you want a quartz Formula One like space uh, or space race inspired like chronograph, fucking just buy it, dude. That's that's yeah. sick. If you love it, rock and roll. You know, exactly. sweetheart. So what are you trying to accomplish? Hold on, my cat really, really wants to eat eat my headphones cord. She's she's trying to jump into the computer screen. Wait, did you see Michael? Hey. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> let's go over here. So okay, so uh, how do you want to do? Do you want to stagger? Do I should I say one of my guilty pleasure? Or, 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 or do, do, do I actually have a question? That one thousand euro price is that used or is that new for your uh, really, tag order Formula One quartz? That's kind of just like the first link I found because I'm not yeah. even sure of the exact <clears throat> reference number. I just know that I I saw one. Um, I saw a black dial one some somewhere, and I was like, hey, that thing is really cool. And then I. I spent like a whole day on Google trying to like search like tag Hoyer, like chronograph. And right. Then when I found it, I thought it was almost cooler uh, that it was quartz. Nice. And then I, and then I found a blue dial version and I was like, Hey, that thing is, that thing is pretty nice for uh kind of just whatever schlepping around the house. If there's, if watch. there's someone out there who considers themselves, uh, if, okay. So if you meet this Venn diagram criteria of, if you love Seiko, if you're a movement freak, and if you for some reason don't like quartz movements, take into the take into account that there are Grand Seiko pieces that use quartz movements, and they're oh, fucking, yeah. fucking awesome. Like that, I saw that four thousand uh, dollar Grand Seiko uh, quartz diver in the boutique that we were talking about a while back. Oh yeah, yeah, that one's fucking, really cool. Fucking sick, awesome, yeah. dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that's... I was like, oh my god. So like, if if you have some sort of weird thing against a quartz movement i would say educate yourself because they're really really fucking badass especially seiko quartz movements they they in the same way that they go above and beyond a lot of elements within their production they do the same for their quartz movements i mean they they invented the game when it comes to you know, yeah quartz, so <laughs> yeah. they true true that they pretty you much know? crippled the entire swiss economy when they did that so yeah um true that man so okay, okay yeah, so that's that's my that's my first pick. What's uh what's yours? So I have two to choose from. I have an expensive one and I have one that's not expensive, but they're both still guilty pleasures. So which one do you want to hear about? The expensive one or the not expensive one? So I went I guess yeah, that the the tag was kind of like my cheaper one. Okay, so, so I'll hear, I'll do Let's hear your cheaper one and then Michael, we'll do the expensive one. I have no fucking idea what's wrong with me. I I'm I might be I might be a touch stupid in the brain, but I am fucking obsessed with Bell and Ross. Specifically those okay. BR those BR pieces that look like altimeters, the square ones. Yeah. Anytime I yeah, see definitely. like a anytime I see like a traditional shape or a round Bell and Ross, man, no, 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 fuck that shit. I need to look like my watch came out of a fucking GI Joe package. If yeah. it looks like it came out of a GI Joe package, I will fucking wear it. <laughs> I am, I am complete. I have no idea why. I keep looking online at them. I keep reading about them. They are such a guilty pleasure, but I cannot possibly justify the purchase of one of those watches. Just a because lot of people. Of- a lot of people criticize the brand for kind of just um, <clears throat> riding, riding the hell out of the whole aviation kind of yeah. theme. But, but it's just it's the thing is it's it's. So I have to so okay. It, it there's one criteria which I always found funny, and I have to relate it to the 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 the, the listeners. So this is related to uh, boutique experience I had. Michael, remember when I was in a boutique around here, and the guy was showing me the Tag Heuer Monaco. Yep. 
Did I, did yeah, I tell I you? <laughs> yep, I remember so that this, story. So I was talking to that guy, and we were talking about the price of the watch, and he's like, oh, you know, brand new. It's like like 5200 or 5300 and I said you know like wow that's 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 a lot of money I mean there's in that price range there's a lot of other watches you know you would, would consider you know I'm kind of, I'm trying to bust this guy's balls because I want to hear you know that's that's spring drive money man there you go that I think we should do let's start a new hashtag let's just hashtag ridiculously expensive watches as hashtag spring drive money like dude that's that's hardcore spring drive money that's that's it that's it <laughs> And so he got really like upset. He's like, he's like, he's like, 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 are you kidding me? You know, I kind of this watch. This is, this is fucking Steve McQueen's watch. I'm like, listen, this is not, Ooh. this is, this isn't the watch he fucking wore. Like he, 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 he didn't have this wrapped around his fucking skinny wrist as he was <laughs> like, you know, I don't know, driving his fucking motorbike. I have no, he's not, he's not, he's not, this is so far removed from him. You know what I mean? Like, 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 this is an iconic, recognizable watch. Here, let me see it. And he takes it out of my hand. He puts it on his arm. He takes about 10, 20 paces away from me down the boutique. There's other people in the boutique. He raises his arm in the air and he goes, and he goes, what watch am I wearing? And I'm like, what? What watch am I wearing right now? I'm like, dude, this doesn't, I already knew what watch you were wearing before. This doesn't prove anything. He was trying to prove to me how recognizable the watch was from across the room. As he later tried and, to explain. You know what I mean? And Bell, Bell and Ross has that kind of effect. Bell and they Ross. really have that kind of is, effect. It, that's my point. It is so recognizable. For, like, I could, it's. I could see someone wearing that from from across the room and be like, "Dude, that guy's wearing a fucking Bell and Ross." I'm so happy. I but the problem is used. You see them used specifically the models that I'm talking about. So these are the square ones. So like the Desert or like the Phantom or the military type, which is like the traditional like green and like 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 olive numeral one. You know what I'm saying? You'll see those anywhere used mm -hmm. uh, from like 1,900 to 3,000 bucks. Now that's a really, really big problem because in that – I mean that's potentially for a little bit more, that's spring drive money. Yeah. In that price range, there are so many other watches you could get. So I consider it a guilty pleasure watch because although I'm pretty sure I'll never ever buy one of those watches, I still look at them, man. There's still – there's something so cool about those fucking watches. Yeah. I really like the uh, the BR-03-92. Mm -hmm. So that's – that's kind of like the plain like base model you get it like on the uh on the rubber strap i think it's 42 millimeters is it the silver think, silver and black yeah and yeah. i think with bell and ross I, i'd be scared to go larger than 42 i don't know about you because i've never worn like a the only square watch i ever wore was that weird tag horror monaco that guy tried like raping me into not raping me into <laughs> but like trying to like, convince me to buy you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah and the the used yeah the used prices can um, they're okay but yeah you're right there there's there are just, some some other options some other exactly. options when you're, when you're playing in that price range you know or if I were considering spending two uh, thousand twenty five hundred bucks on a Bell and Ross why don't I just say hey dude let's just cut that in half and get two fucking sweet micro brand watches yeah you know what I mean like really get something fucking special you know yeah. what I'm saying. Not a watch that you get out of a fucking box of Cracker Jacks. That looks like you get out of a box of Cracker Jacks. Like, it just, it just, I've never handled one in person. I don't know what they feel like. But every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, man, that's so fucking cool. Like, that is, that for me is like a, a very guilty pleasure watch. So I, yeah. I don't know if I ever for some reason have the disposable income and if I ever have a watch collection which completely satisfies me and I want to buy I, I want to buy a watch in the same way I buy a Snickers bar, eat half of it, 
feel disgusting and throw that bar out afterwards. If I want to buy as a watch in that same vein, I will buy a Bell and Ross. Then I'll then I will buy a Bell and Ross. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But like I don't. I mean, but like, but like, but like, I know you're into them because you talked to me about them the first time. You you, you sort of introduced me to Bell and Ross, and then I saw them for the first time. We, we were having we were having lunch one day at at Starbucks, and I was like, "Hey man, look at this! Look at this watch! It's kind of cool." Starbucks, it's, uh... man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I um I really like them. I They're a South Florida like, company. Are they? Right? I thought really? they were. I, oh man, this might be right up there with Gary Sinise. I don't know. Let me uh, let me Google it. Let me let me actually Google something. Alright, hold on, hold on, listeners. Uh bear with me. Bellin Ross. It's such a unique look yeah. that um I I kind of feel the same way about Bell and Ross as I do about Panerai. Like how, you know, am I ready to spend that kind of money on something that stands out so much and, uh, is, is almost so unique. Um, but, did you find out if they're from Florida? I have no idea where the fuck they're from. Their, their website is one of those like flash websites from like 2005. So it takes about 17 minutes for it to even like load. So like the movement pick can like work properly. So I'm not even going to try to fucking navigate their website. I have no idea where they're from. I'm going to put it in. I'm going to put it in the show notes wherever the fuck they're from. But I could have sworn they were from. Oh, no, I might be thinking of Invicta. Holy Invicta's, shit. I know, Invi- I know Invicta's in South Florida. Yeah, that, that's very different from Bell and Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about watches, man. All right. Yes, so, sorry, Invicta, Bell and Ross. <laughs> I don't know where they're from, dude. But yeah, I that is that is such a guilty pleasure watch of mine. I absolutely, I even love the. There's one I keep seeing on Instagram of like a skull. It's like the square one, and it's like a skull. And I'm oh, like, that's yeah. Like, but that's like a crazy expensive watch. Is, is it expensive? Yeah, that's like a that's like, I think six figures that one specifically. Dude, fuck that bullshit. How can you ha- how can you have a product line which includes watches? In the four five thousand dollar range, but then in addition to that, have watches in the six figure range. How does that yeah. work? Um, that one, it's it's funny that you bring it up because I saw it the other day. Um, in person? No, 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 online. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> I kind of hovered over the price, and I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> oh, okay, I okay, I'm I stand corrected. They make a lot of watches with skulls. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Some are very, actually, most are very expensive, okay. uh, depending depending on the on the the case material. But yeah, some of them are oh, like twenty three yeah. twenty three thousand. Dude, no way, dude, no way, fuck, dude. Fuck that, man. <laughs> that is not cool, dude. No way. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Also, in those lower end Bell and Ross pieces, those BR pieces, those square ones that look like altimeters, those are those are all basically modified Edis. Yes. Dude, like that's so weird spending so much money for an Etta. I don't think you know I don't saying? think they have in-house movements, Bell and Ross. I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think they do. I don't know. I think you're right. In-house. I don't think they do either. So that's that's the other thing. If I were to even consider buying a Bell and Ross, I'm just gonna buy one of those fucking Seiko Passages and just go about my fucking day super happy. You know what I'm I mean? So I'm so mad that you showed me that watch. <laughs> Dude, man, just keep it in mind. It's a beautiful watch. I mean, I just know that they're limited. I think there's only like there are only I've like. Been... A I've been trying to have a very strict one chronograph rule. Is that right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just recently got my first chronograph, and that's the Polar Drop 3133. And 
Uh, I like it. I need to have it looked at though because it doesn't it doesn't reset the zero properly. Oh yeah, it's very annoying. But um, but no, I mean that's my guilty pleasure watch. I mean every time I see one of those watches online, I just uh, every time I hear David S W or Watch You Want updates their stock, I go and I look and I see what new Bell and Ross pieces they got. I've been doing it for fucking longer than you might realize. I've been doing it for months and months and months. I just don't talk <laughs> about it because I'm not comfortable with it. Like <laughs> you can I'm... talk to me about it, Kaz. Don't worry. <laughs> There's just I'm something. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you know, thank you, man. It's just something, uh, something about those watches. So that's that's my that's my not expensive uh, guilty pleasure watch. Okay. Well, my my expensive one, um, my expensive one is also aviation inspired. Okay. Uh, and it's it's weird because it's it's a watch that kind of when I when I first got into watches back in the day. Right. It was one of it was one of the first watches that caught my eye. And one of the first watches that I tried on, like at like a boutique, wow. in an expensive kind of place, and um, that was like, man, that was like four years ago, and Jesus. I haven't tr- I haven't tried it on since because I felt so unworthy and so out of place, okay. and so dirt and so dirty when I put it on. Like, oh my god, like I can't I can't do this, and now. I'm actually having trouble finding one like in stores to try it on. Oh no. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it speaks to me because like I, I've worked in aviation before I studied aviation and right. like kind of anything having to do with aviation is always going to like catch my eye, but it's the, uh, it's the IWC big pilot. And those things are uh, so cool. They're really cool, but it's yeah. like wearing, it's like wearing a Dutch oven, like on your wrist. <laughs> <laughs> like just a cast iron Dutch oven. It's, well, you got over you got over your flight suit, dude, on your on your bicep. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, you know, people people love that watch. People love that watch. I think people make fun of it now because of the connection to John Mayer. Um, what connection kind of, does it have to John Mayer? Oh God, he kind of he kind of made himself like the unofficial brand ambassador of of the not just IWC, but like the big pilot line itself. Like, really? Um, yeah, dude. Uh, dude. I don't know anything about John. I, I do my best to avoid any John Mayer news. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's such a good guitar player. It, it he is. So he's mad. a fan. He's a fan. He's a fantastic guitar player. He's a fantastic blues musician, a great improvist. But every time I hear about him and watches, I just get upset. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he, um, yeah. Anyway, the, the IWC, the big pilot, um, you know, it's, it's a Flieger style watch. Yeah. Uh, what's very interesting about the big pilot is that aside from the ones that were produced, uh, during the war, the modern, the modern, uh, big pilots weren't released until I think like 2000 or something oh, wow. like that. Okay. Yeah, so they had, they had the ones they made for, for the military. Right. And then way, way later on, they started producing these contemporary models um but it's such a big watch and how, how big is big well it's it's a 46 millimeter watch okay i mean that's big but that's not that's not as big as i was it's expecting. big but okay. when i tried it on like it it kind of just you know the lugs just flew over my wrist like dirty style oh, yeah and it's also it's also really tall 
And I'm just, it's it's one of those watches that it's just like you wish so bad that you can pull it off. But even if you could pull it off, it's like a ten thousand dollar watch. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe it's and, one of those cool watches you have as part of your collection, but like you don't wear it. Is that possible? Do some folks do some folks collect watches they don't wear, or is that weird? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, there there are some actually. Um, it's funny. I was listening to a very old podcast. It was, I think, one of the first watch podcasts the other day. Okay. It's uh, it was Jake's Rolex Watch World. Oh, uh, I know. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, podcast. I know that guy. And he had he had John Goldberger on uh, like a three hour episode just talking <laughs> talking about watches. And this guy is amazing. Like he has like he is one of the top five collectors in the world. Jesus. Like he, he has stuff that Rolex doesn't even know about. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like he'll That's have crazy. like he has a Daytona. He has like a Daytona or something, and there were three of them made. And he's like, Yeah, one is in the Rolex safe, the other <laughs> one is mine, and the third one belongs to Eric Clapton. Oh, that's right. I don't know what you're talking about. But he he actually <laughs> like if if you see what he wears, he you know, he might wear just like a like a Cartier tank or something. Sure. Something something very simple. Yeah. And like ninety percent of his collection is in like bank vaults. So yeah. What's the point of collecting though? What's the point of collecting if you can't enjoy the thing that delights you? Because I really believe when someone collects something like watches or baseball cards or garbage pail kids or stamps you do them specifically because interacting with them brings you some sort of delight you know what i'm saying well, the thing the thing with somebody like john goldberger he he's a photographer by trade so i think the pleasure that he gets out of collecting is um the fact that he can photograph these watches he also he also publishes these like huge coffee table books and so he kind uh... of does it to progress the um the education and the enthusiasm uh, behind these historic pieces, and it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of like what Jeff Stein does with like old like Hoyer like watches and stuff like that. You right. have or or like Jason Singer with like the Rolex um, like bubble backs and stuff. Th- these guys they have these massive collections, and they they don't collect to like wear everything. They collect almost. Uh, as to act as their own like little museums right <laughs> you know? yeah no, no, i guess i get they think he sees his collection and his act as collecting as influential yeah well, my he, collection he, my like, collection of raquettas will never be influential so like 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 intrinsically he, he and i are very different collectors well it's like who's who's that guy that that runs that site that has like the biggest like russian watch collection Mark like, in the world yeah, dude. So yeah, yeah I, I, okay. That I, I see your point. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. That website operates just for the sole purpose of educating people. It's on like a museum. It's, it's like a museum. It's just like you said. Yeah. The 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 search index works. It's very very rudimentary. It's not sexy, but the site functions and searches very very well, like a museum. So I would recommend that website to anyone interested in researching any uh, old Soviet timepiece. But the big pilot, you know, the big pilot is a watch that if, you know, if one day I ever had that money, I don't even think I would spend it on the big pilot. And if I did own the big <laughs> pilot, I would want to, I want to wear the damn thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's too damn big. Uh, well, maybe they, they make, they make a smaller model now. that's like 40 millimeters. It's the Mark, 
18. It's pretty cool, but it's kind of sterile. Um, it doesn't have that sort of toolish flight jacket sure. feel that the big pilot has. Um, but yeah, that's that's a watch that kind of uh, it, it's pretty polarizing uh, when you talk to different watch lovers and watch collectors. Um, I don't know what the situation is in Washington where you're where you are now, but here in Miami, in not not here, but in Boca Raton, there is a authorized dealer called La Bijou. La Bijou. I have no idea how to say it. Um, they're in Boca okay. Town Center. They have IWC there. So you yeah. might find one there to try. Next time you're down here, we can try to take a visit. I actually had a great – I had a, the best boutique experience of my entire life. One of my best has been at that joint. Um, so I mean, next time you're in town, maybe we can or – maybe, or maybe we can call and see if they have it. You can try it on, and then I can distract them, and you can book it for the door. But it's you just know? like at the same time when you're when you're getting into that price range, not not only have you surpassed spring drive money, you're like you're you're reaching date you're reaching Daytona you money. You are man. you like, are reaching that's true, you are reaching very, very close to Daytona money. Like between what, ten and like fourteen K you can get like a Daytona for used? I mean I less think... you can you can find you can find the older ones for like nine and a half. Daytona money. Maybe man. <laughs> Maybe not so much now because all of the Daytonas are going up in price on the secondary market because nobody can get the new one. And the old ones, you know, people can have now, but everybody's jacking up the prices. and It's kind of disgusting. Right, um, right. <laughs> it's like it, it, it's like, like I was saying, I was looking at Rolex 1, uh, the, 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 the Rolex Explorer 1. Those prices are going up, you know what yeah. I mean, weirdly enough. But uh, so so, how about you? What's what's your expensive guilty so pleasure? My watch? expensive one. I have no idea if I've ever talked to you about this watch, but this I do not like this brand at all. But I I fucking love this one watch they make. My fucking expensive guilty pleasure pick is the Listenarden Freak. I the Freak. Fu- I fucking love that watch. I love that watch. Let me see. I I I can't remember which what this one looks like. The Ulysses Freak is absolutely fantastic because it's the first commercially available watch to use silicone in its movement. It uses a silicone escapement movement in addition to other silicone parts. Now, when you see the watch, what's absolutely beautiful is the entire minute hand. That's the movement. The entire minute hand is comprised of the gear train and the escapement. So what you're seeing in the minute hand itself is the transference and the slow release of energy to keep time. It's fucking it is so fucking cool oh i see how that works i love the gear kind of the gear runs along the entire like minute track the the entire minute hand is the gear train and then at the very end the largest part is the silicone escapement so the silicone escapement it doesn't work in the same way that a balance spring would it kind of works in the way um how can i explain this you ever see people do those rope exercises where they have like a bungee behind their back and they punch yeah. forward while holding the bungee? That's yeah. how the silicone escapement works. It is it's fucking it's genius because you're essentially doing the same oscillation of mainspring wood, but you're doing it with fucking silicone. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what's awesome about that watch is when they first made it in 2001, everybody made fun of it. Everybody everybody made fun of it because it uses silicone. But now a lot of other high-end watches use Fucking silicone movements, or yeah. no, 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 not movements, but silicone components. You know. Yeah, and you can charge, and you can charge a premium for it now. Yeah, 
Yeah. The, wow, so the, it has a seven or eight day power reserve. The mainspring is the entire back of the watch. So if you turn the watch over. Yep. Huge the, spring. The, 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 it's just, it's <laughs> not like, it's not like the fucking Hublot Ferrari watch or like the Panerai eight days where it's several mainspring barrels stacked. It's just uh-huh. one giant fucking spring. And you wind it by turning the entire back of the watch. Like the whole right. back of the watch. That's what it's, it is. It is the coolest fucking watch. It is such a guilty pleasure, but Michael, it's it's like a, it's like I think the lowest is like a, it's like a seventy thousand dollar watch. I'm I'm seeing prices on uh, Govberg right now. Um, yeah, forty thousand nine hundred ninety five. Yeah, man, that's fucking Audi money. Uh, I think we've transcended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we transcended. Spring drive and Daytona money into like low end like Audi A4 A3 money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I love that watch just because of the innovation that went into it, of the unique look it has. I love how legible it is because it's super super easy to make a super innovative watch and have it be as legible as a slab of dog shit. It's just but like that watch, you can hardcore tell the fucking time on it. I love that watch. Yeah. I mean, you, know you, I mean? Can, you can you can make it yours, man. I mean, the kid the kids don't have to go to college. The kids don't the kids don't have to exist, Michael. Let's be real. The kids don't have to exist. I could just I could just get a fucking Ulysse Narden freak, like super base model, not like the fucking Phantom Turbion. I don't, I don't, I don't get any of that bullshit. You know what I mean? There's there, there's one here. The one that's like forty grand is called the what? Uh, I don't even know. The Bayview. Yeah, What's the, it called? Freak. This is the freak, yeah, blue phantom, yeah. Yeah, the blue, yeah, yeah. There's a blue phantom. There's Diavolo, and there's, um, I can't remember the other one. The problem is they don't make a stainless steel version. They're all precious metals of some oh, yeah. kind. So they're like, but I love, I, but I, I, I do not care for Ulysse Arden at all. I love the fact that they're one of the few privately owned companies in like an mm-hmm. ocean of like Richemont and like Swatch Group companies. They're yeah. one of the few privately owned companies, which is why they could do a fucked up watch like this. Yeah. But other than that, I don't give a fuck about the brand. I love mm. that freak though. I I <laughs> would love to see it in person one day. That's my guilt. That's my expensive guilty pleasure watch. I hate that it says. Why does it have to say Blue Phantom or Freak? <laughs> Just it, it says like on. It's etched into the case right under six o'clock. It says Freak Phantom. The original or, ones, I don't think, were called freaks. I think people, they kind of adopted that name in response to everyone's reaction to it. I could totally be wrong. People, please correct me. If you own one of these, please come visit me and then correct me. Um, but <laughs> if you know for <laughs> if you know for certain, that was my understanding, is that it wasn't originally called a freak in 2001, but everyone's reaction to it kind of led them to affectionately adopting the name. Could super be wrong. You know? I just I want to go on the record saying that I would be so happy if there's a Ulysse Ulysse Nardine freak owner listening to the Two Broke Watch Snobs podcast. <laughs> Dude, if you're listening, you are our you are our number one listener. You have already won the reverse reverse sweepstakes of coming to visit us with your Ulysse Nardine. Please, you know what I'm saying. I will trade you all of my Raketa perpetual calendars. For your cool. your your least, but yeah, I love that watch. I think it's great because it's it's one of those rich guy purchases, but it's not one of those rich guy purchases where you'll be like, oh, he bought that because it's a you know a blinged out Frank Mueller, or it's because it's a fucking you know Hublot Concrete Jungle. It's like, dude, someone buys that watch because they have 
Well, I mean, you know, I just, I just, I just saw it recently. I just because I know Forbes or someone was talking about it. Uh, I recently, I, I, I just there's something about that watch. You don't just buy that watch. I think it kind of ticks the same thing that a spring drive would in almost a movement geek. Because mm-hmm. as little as I know about like watches and watch history and brands, I re, I, I know a fair amount about movements and the basic mechanics behind it. And I fucking, I, lo- I love that. I love that watch. Anything that sure. is alternative material to what's traditionally been used, been used within. Uh, uh, watch movements is awesome for me. Like that's just, and so it was the first watch to use silicone, specifically in the heart of the watch. I mean, the fucking movement or the 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 escapement. You know what I mean? So that, I mean, I wouldn't say a specific model. Probably the first model. I mean, not any of the weird because they they have one with a tourbillon now. Because I mean, I could. Yeah, I'm going to start a brand, and I'm just going to duct tape tourbillons on things. I'm going to start making chocolate bars, but I'm going to make them with tourbillons in them. And I'm going to charge like seventy thousand dollars a chocolate bar. <laughs> I think I think it'll work out. We I can, think we I think can, it's going uh, places. You think you think Hodinkee will write about it? Yeah, because we're going to do a special Hodinkee version. We're going to do a special Hodinkee <laughs> version of the Lascat <laughs> Tourbillon chocolate bar Grand Physique 2015 or whatever year it is 2000, 2016. We're we're in two thousand. Yeah, man. That's what's up. Wait, what did you say? No, no, I think my computer froze. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Uh, but yeah, no, that is that's yeah. My expensive pick for for guilty pleasure is that that you list our damn freak. If if you've never seen it, people, I mean, I'll put a picture up in the show notes. I'll also try and put a, a video up of the watch working because as the watch uh, releases energy and rotates uh, like a normal watch would, you know, you know, once uh, a full minute rotation every hour, you see the gear train working and you see the escapement regulating. Uh, the motion and the energy of the movement. It's so fucking badass. So I think it's safe to say that we'll never own any of these watches. I don't, I mean, like I said, if those specific criteria I mentioned before are met, I might buy a Bell and Ross, maybe, in the same way that I would buy a Snickers bar and feel disgusting afterwards. If I have cool. already satisfied every watch collection, like 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 predilection I've ever had, including like 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 a Mickey Mouse Rolex Daytona, after that, yeah, I'll buy. I'll buy a fucking. Uh, I'll, I'll you know. I'll buy a Bell and Ross. You know. Perfect. Perfect. Oh boy. <clears throat> so yeah. I think that about covers. Hold on. How long? How long? <sighs> it's a little over an hour. My computer is freaking out right now. Are you? Is your? Is it your? Is it, it your old MacBook? Yeah. It's 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 taking off. Like the fans are just like it's going nuts. So for people who don't um, know, Michael's Michael's MacBook is an old MacBook, and it's like that scene in Aliens where where they that there's that thing, and like it's the, like the discarded, mutated version, and it's just like kill me. Like that's basically Michael's uh, laptop right now. I'd I'd be surprised if I actually have the audio for this episode once we're done. So. Oh no! Don't say that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Oh um, no! If we don't, we'll do it again. <laughs> uh, okay let's do the sign off do you want to do it or should i do it <clears throat> um yeah i'll do it all right you start uh, if if you if, if you do hear this episode um <laughs> thanks for listening uh, <laughs> this is mike and this is kaz and this has been two broke watch knobs and again if you want to reach us you can do so at tbws.contact.gmail.com or hit us up on instagram 
at Two Broke Watch Knobs. And uh, yeah, that was the episode. Take care. See you.